0: Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, starts a new series titled The Coming King with a message on effective prayer. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Amen, amen. Delighted to be with you. Hey, listen, if you have, uh, how many of you remember Michael Jr.? How many of you remember him? Okay, if you're new to the Crossing Church, Michael Jr. came years ago. He has turned into a, like a really big deal. He's a hilarious human being. He's gonna be here on the first and the second to kick the year off. And then on the second, there's a paid event. That Sunday, there's a paid event, ticketed event, that evening, and he's gonna pack the house. So he's gonna teach during the weekend and bring some humor, and then he's gonna do his full hour show that Sunday at six o'clock, so you're gonna to wanna to sign up for that, amen? Amen, amen. It is. He, he is, yeah, you can clap for that. I mean, he's awesome. He really is fantastic. If, uh, if you need a laugh, that's how to start the new year out. And then after him, Oscar Mumba's is going to come. Oscar Mumba, And, uh, and we're going to kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so he'll do the Wednesday and then the next weekend. And uh, we look forward to a great start of the year. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. We pray that when we leave here, we will have been changed from the inside out. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said. Amen, amen and amen. We're starting a brand new series called The Coming King, the coming King. My notes will be on your app, the Crossing app. And so I'm gonna move through a bunch of uh, scripture today. And I'm gonna be referencing scripture as we go. And so it might be helpful for you to look there in the app, all right? How to affirm, here's what we're trying to do. How to affirm Christ's reign today, church, today. Not just 2,000 years ago. He, you know that Jesus reigns today. He, he's Lord today. He's Lord right here, right now. So the intro scripture Um, And there's three really kinda big points. He is, they were, the disciples were, and we can. We believe that we can uh, here today. He was the baby in the manger. Here's the scripture that we all know around Christmas, Luke chapter 10, 11 and 12. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Okay, so we start the Christmas season understanding that Jesus is in the manger, but we want to have a little bit more understanding than that. And so the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 17, says that God emptied himself. So I've heard people say that God left this deity in heaven to become humanity. No, 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 no. Everybody say, no, 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 no. They say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. We don't want to get it theologically wrong. God poured all of his deity into humanity in Jesus. He poured all of his deity into the humanity in Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's not a stretch to say the God of the universe was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that changes the perspective a little bit, doesn't it? It really changes our heart and our attitude, our minds about, you know, we, we kind of get a little solemn, you know, there's lots of things to think about and to ponder, especially coming off of, of COVID and the things that we've been working through the last year and a half or almost two years now. Isn't it crazy it's been that long? It's crazy it's been that long. Coming off of all those things to ponder baby Jesus, but I want you to know that baby Jesus was also the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords while he was in the manger, Uh, Let's not forget this Christmas season that Jesus is on his throne. Let's not forget that he came as a baby, but the baby was a king. And he came as a baby, but the baby was the consummate uh, headship of God himself. When he came, Jesus and baby form was God in full form. God in full form. The Bible says, here's the scripture, uh, the God uh, uh, blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, uh, the only one who is immortal, unappro- and he lives in an unapproachable light, to him be honor and glory and dominion. Come on church, honor and glory and dominion, now and forevermore. That's the baby we worship, that's First Timothy. God says, through Jesus, he says, I am who I am. I am the beginning and the end, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the first and I am the last. I am he who was and is and is to come. Come on, church. Come on, listen to me. Watch, watch, watch this. Listen, 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 listen. When Jesus came, we have to understand that God already was and that God was when Jesus came. God is and is is way out there in the future and God was and was is way back there in history and Jesus came, come on somebody, and he's gonna come again and he's gonna come again. And so that's a paradox, isn't it? You go, so, so if you explain that to somebody on the outside in Christianity, we say, he was, he is, and he is to come, and then somebody says, come again? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, he was, because he pre-existed before he came as a child. He was, and he is in history. He crashed backwards into time to come as a baby, but as a baby, he was fully God. He was the God-man. That's why he could remove my sin and your sin as a perfect sacrifice. He said he was tempted with everything that we're tempted, but Jesus was the perfect God-man and had the perfect form, and so he could take on my sin. The good news today is this. Jesus could take on my sin and your sin because he was sinless. Holy moly. some of you thought I was going to say something else. <laughs> it's a paradox, a perfect God receiving imperfect praise. Some of you know Elevation Worship and they have an album covered called Paradoxology. And here's what it comes from is the paradox of the doxology, paradoxology. The doxology is the praise of men out of the book of revelations. And the paradox is a perfect God receiving imperfect praise from people a perfect God receiving imperfect praise. The paradox continues though, because a perfect God used imperfect people to bring his perfect message to the earth. Think about that. A perfect God. If you were God, would you use you to bring the message of him? Uh. <laughs> uh-uh. No, because I know you and I know me, but I want you to know this, he knows you too. Imperfect as we are, God can use you to bring his incredible perfect message. We're imperfect people, and here's what this is. So God is, and they were, and we can. God is, and they were, and we can. These are the first century disciples. They were imperfect people. Look at the scripture with me, 2 Corinthians 4. And the God of this age, so who's the God of this age? Satan. Everybody say it with me, Satan. There's a God, lowercase g, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they don't recognize the glory of Jesus in broken humans. Let me say it again. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't recognize the glory of Jesus in imperfect human vessels. He's blinded the minds, but the God of gods and the King of kings and the Lord of lords brings to glory his goodness in us, his broken vessels, so that his perfect message might go forward. That's the Lord Jesus, who is the Christ. He says, we don't preach ourselves, skip down to verse seven, but we have this treasure in earthen jars of clay, earthen vessels. How many of you are going to be glad when this vessel gets to go away? Lord Jesus, come on. Come on, how many of you are gonna be glad when there's no more gamma rays and beta rays and no more x-rays and there's no more cancer? How about that? Now do you understand what I'm saying? These bodies, these earthen jars, these earth suits, these tents are prone to decay and break down and they will not last into eternity, but the glory of God as we look into the face of Jesus, his light shining in us will. And so the Bible says that we do not create the light, we reflect his light. It says we reflect him and we hold this glory in us because we are jars of clay. We are broken vessels, imperfect people with a perfect light that we house. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody, listen. Listen, listen, listen. The next time, the next time you look at your husband or your wife or your cousin or your friend or whatever and you don't see the light, you need to repent. Repent. Because there's a glory, there's the glory of God living inside of them. If they're a believer, they've got the Holy Spirit in them and the glory of God is reflected from them to him and back out to the world. That is an imperfect vessel holding a perfect message. Here's what I want you to know today. God can use you. God can use you. God can use you. God can use you. God is not asking you to be perfect. God knows your wounds, he knows your brokenness, he knows your past, he knows your history, but he can use you, why? Because his light's perfect in a broken vessel. God can use you. God can use you, God needs you. You say, how in the world could God need me? Because he didn't do it through angels, he did it through people. And he's still doing it through people. Today, the only Jesus people are most likely gonna see, unless he comes back right now, come Lord Jesus. Come on, wouldn't it be awesome if he just went. He just like, what's up? Let's take communion. The only Jesus people are most likely going to see is the Jesus you show them. And so we have been beat up by tradition and beat up by history and beat up by our past and beat up by religion to say that we're, we're just supposed to be quiet and we're supposed to come in and out of the church chapel and we're supposed to humbly say our prayers. God says, no, there's a glory inside of you. I want you to carry my glory to the world. We forget that when we read the Bible, these people, these men and women were just like you and me today. They're just like you and me today. They learned how to fast and pray. They learned how to experience the power of God. Then they turned the world upside down. They learned how to fast and pray. They didn't know how to fast and pray. Jesus came down from the mountain. Here's the scripture reference, Mark nine twenty-five through 29. He came down from the mountain of transfiguration. There was a young boy who was housing a demon. You'd say, what does that look like in the 21st century? Well, demons can attach themselves to Christians. Some of you and you can, you know, write me an email, we'll talk about it theologically. If you are a believer in Jesus, you cannot be possessed by the devil. Come on somebody. You cannot be possessed by the devil. You can be oppressed by the devil. Can a Christian have a demon? Yes. It doesn't mean that you can be possessed That means possession of mind and body, but you can be oppressed and somehow they can attach to the central nervous system and manifest physical maladies. They can change. So weird things can happen. When you start worshiping Jesus, the devil will get involved in your life. You'll get your family ready to go and then everything will go crazy in your house. And if you've never seen this, just come to church consistently. You'll see it about every Sunday. You'll see it every Saturday. Yes. If there's something important God wants you to do, the enemy will try to cut you off. Yes. If uh, maybe you're about to leave the house and all, or you get into the worship session here at Tampa, South Shore Plant City, and all of a sudden you have a migraine that you've never had before, or all of a sudden your back starts to hurt, or all of a sudden the person singing next to you, um, you know, they can't sing. <laughs> but it doesn't just irritate you. You have thoughts like, I want to hurt that person. <laughs> and and you, know, you know, that's not me. That's not you. That's the enemy. And Jesus said to his disciples, so who, this young boy was so oppressed that he was mute. He was deaf and he was dumb. That means he couldn't speak. He couldn't talk. And I've seen this. I've seen it firsthand. I've literally lived through it. I've seen it. I've prayed for people that have had this. And I've been preaching in, in Texas. And I had a guy that was very small. It, it, it was very, very small. I was in seminary. And you know, the room is really, really small. And I could see the guy going like this. And afterwards he came and said, I I can see fine. He says, but as soon as you start to preach, I can't see the words on the page. He says, I can hear fine. But as soon as you start to teach, I can't hear a thing that you're saying. I said, well, that's demonic. He ran out of the room. He did. He ran out of the room. I said, that's demonic. He was like, wow. You know, because I think we're afraid to think we might house something like this. But I want you to know that it's a simple prayer to say, you don't belong here. You've got to go. You don't belong here. And wouldn't you know that immediately after the prayer, he could see and hear. He could see and hear. And so not everything that we go through is physiological or psychological, it is often spiritual. And so these people, Jesus is, he is, and they were. They were imperishable tents like you and me. They did not know how to fast and pray, Jesus said, come out of him, and when he did, the impure spirit came out of the boy, it threw him into the fire, do you remember the story? It threw him into the fire, he convulsed, he seized, and he convulsed and seized so violently, he was still like he died. If you ever see somebody delivered of powerfully, there is a season right after the deliverance where it looks like they're dead. And good, good, good news, they're not dead. They're not dead, they're exhausted. Because the enemy has occupied such space so violently, so vehemently, that the enemy, when it comes out, it just shakes you to your core. And again, your central nervous system is almost paralyzed for a little while. But this young man stood back up to his feet and the disciples said, what in the world just happened? And Jesus said, don't worry about it. This kind only comes out by? Prayer and and fasting. Two things, prayer and fasting. So in January, we're gonna fast and we're gonna pray. You say, pastor, why are we gonna fast and pray? Because we need to affect how we think. Come on, somebody. And the places that are around us and the people that are around us, and we're gonna fast in order to find that secret place with the Lord to hear from him and then say what he says. To say what he says. That's why we're gonna fast and pray. And the first century disciples did not know how to fast and pray. They did not know how to experience the power of God, but they did, they did. And so the Bible says in Acts 1, 4 through 8, that Jesus didn't say, go to a conference and hear the best speaker that you can hear, right? Isn't that what we do, church? We're like, I wanna get more of Jesus, I'm gonna go to a conference, I'm gonna listen to so-and-so I'm going to get the, you know, the newest word, the best word, whatever it is. Jesus says, don't do any of that stuff, lock yourself in your room in January, starting on January 12th, come on, church. Lock yourself in your room And deprive yourself a little bit. And if you're, when we fast, I want you to know we're gonna have beginners and intermediate and then advanced. And so we're not gonna ask those of you who are beginners to have an advanced fast. We are gonna ask those of you who are advanced to have an advanced fast. And you're gonna self-diagnose, say, woo, gee, thank you. (laughs) We're not gonna diagnose you from here. You're gonna self-diagnose where you are, basic fast, intermediate fast, or full-blown, like full-course fast, whatever that looks like for you. And what God is saying here is, He's saying, I want you to lock yourself in. I want you to pray. And the scripture says in Acts, and when you pray, after a little while, you'll start to sense God. Come on, somebody. You'll start to listen to music a little longer. You'll start to saturate a little more and you'll feel the water, if it were, coming from the temple um, as you're kneeling and praying. It'll be a little bit around your ankles and, and then there's gonna be a little bit more water and it might be around your knees and a little bit more water. It might be around your waist, a little bit more water. Come on, I'm talking about the water of the Holy Spirit. There might be a little bit more grace coming to your life. There might be a little bit more feeling. Your heart starts to beat again. Your eyes start to awaken. Your, your ears start to open again. You start to breathe and exhale and inhale, Jesus, and then all of a sudden you you understand that you're going under the water. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You go under the water, you come out of the water, and you are ready to go. We need, we need what the first century Christians had is an experience with the power of God. We need to understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Say, how do I get it? Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Every person gets the Holy Spirit at salvation. Then there's a second experience where there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the infilling. Everybody go like this. All right. Now, after you've prayed for an hour or two or three and you're seeking God and you're saying to God, God, I want you to fill me. Infill me. I have the Holy Spirit. Now infill me. Fill me up to all the fullness of the glory of the goodness of Jesus. Fill me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God will give that to you. And then, say then. We're gonna change the world. here's what the bible says (laughs) acts 4 13 15 when they saw the courage of peter and john it's not the eloquence of peter and john it's not the study of peter and john eloquence is great intelligence is awesome study is great know the scripture fast and pray the bible says fast and pray ordinary how many of you feel ordinary come on if you're not raising your hand i don't know where you know what i mean we're all ordinary from nowhere Every one of us are ordinary from nowhere, but God wants to make us a somebody that does something special on the earth. That's what God says about every single one of us. All of us feel like we're too ordinary for God to do something extraordinary with us. Or maybe we just feel like we're extraordinary, we're just extraordinary in business. And God says, you're you're extraordinary in business so that I can show the glory of who I am in you in the business mountain. Whatever, whatever, whatever God has given you, He wants to display in you and through you in the world for His glory. So the Bible says these ordinary men and women um, had an extraordinary encounter with God. They were unschooled ordinary men. They were astonished that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But they they couldn't do anything with the men or women because there were miracles and signs and wonders that were happening around them. So they told them, We want you to be quiet. And so when you activate as a believer and you learn to fast and pray, when you learn to experience the power of God and you start turning the world upside down, that means you start working for Jesus at work. Come on, somebody. Come on. You start just, you pray and work is affected. You pray, your boss is affected. You pray, you're not going to want to miss next week. You're going to hear some stories next week. Yeah, come next week. We're talk about it in, in, in just, just invading the mountains that we live in. And when you start acting like that, the world is going to say to you, it's so awesome that you're a Christian. We want to hear more. There's a strange reaction when Christians activate the world acts against the activation and you will be spoken to. You might be threatened. These people were spoken to. They were threatened they were beaten and eventually they were in prison. Now watch this. (laughs) Hey, are you excited about that? Welcome to the crossing, God bless you. (laughs) Here we go for activation. Skip down to the scripture. Acts 16, 23, after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown in prison. The first start was in Acts chapter four, now it's Acts uh, chapter 16, 12 chapters later. So they're beaten, they're thrown in prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now watch this, 24, upon receiving such orders, They put them in the inner cell and they fastened their feet in stalks. That means they went into the inner part of the cell and they had uh, shackles on their hands and their feet. Now it's about this time that Christians or believers today, if we activate and we end up in jail, that we would start to say, I would say, I think I misheard you, Jesus. (laughs) I, I think I misheard you. And Jesus is in heaven saying, no, you didn't mishear me. You can go to jail if you go to jail for the right reason. Come on, somebody, we're not used to that. In, in America, we're not used to this. We're not used to this. Matter of fact, we're so sensitive that we don't want anybody to say anything on Facebook or Instagram. Woo, come on, somebody. I know this is, a pow- this is a powerful thing, it really is. But not only did they have people speak in their Facebook and their Instagram, but then they had false lies, accusations pressed against them, the authorities put them in jail, falsely accused them, locked them in the inner cell. And it's at that very moment when they're in the inner cell that they do something that is incredible. Instead of complaining, come on church. Man, I might be in that cell just like, Jesus, you have left me. Why have you left me in here? What did I do wrong? How come, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do the wrong thing? But no, Paul and Silas, what were they doing? They were praying and they were singing. Come on church. They were praying and they were singing. And the Bible says that because they were praying and singing, there was a violent earthquake that happened inside the jail cell. And it was so violent that it shook the cell and it shook their chains off their hands and their feet. And when the chains came off their hands and feet, come on, you can clap for that, that's great. that's, That's a good day, that's a good night. That's a good Tuesday night. When the shackles came off their hands and their feet, the jailer ran in. Everybody else in the cell was listening to them, the people who were there, and the jailer was about to kill himself. They said, no, don't kill yourself. This is the gospel of Jesus. He gave himself to the Lord and his entire family got saved. So, so the prognosis was death is coming, but life came in the package of death. Wow. Wow. There is a prophetic word for the crossing that came in August, and uh, it's from a guy named Wayne Draney. He came with Tom Lane from the senior executive pastor at Gateway Church, and they come and do prophetic ministry here every year. And so in August, he said, I hear this for the crossing, church. I just read the passage from Acts chapter 16, and he says, I hear Acts chapter 16 being spoken over the life of the crossing, so I I wanna give this to you. I I want you to hear this. So he spoke about the, the chapter, He spoke about there being singing and when we sing and we praise, people's shackles are going to be loosed as you give yourselves in a fresh way to prayer and worship. Come on, somebody say prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. Woo. In a Kairos moment, a Kairos moment is a very special, timely moment of God. You will see Acts 16 verse repeated among you. Listen, here's the word. Spiritual earthquakes are shaking the foundations of our culture. Is this not true? True. Spiritual, it's, it's, it's like when we started with COVID, it's like earthquake, afraid. Earthquake, afraid. Earthquake, be quiet. Earthquake, don't trust God. Earthquake, uh, don't gather. Are you with me? Come on, earthquake. And here's what he's saying. These earthquakes are shaping culture, but as you, the Crossing Church, as you gather and you pray, you fast and you pray, there are gonna be earthquakes and the earthquakes are gonna set you free and gonna set free the people who are around you. Yeah, Yeah, church. I'll take that, I'll take that. Acts chapter 17, six has said, who are these people who turn the world upside down? Who are these people who turn the world upside down? He is, they were, we can. We can turn the world upside down. How about we say it like this? We can turn the world right side up. Come on, church. We can turn. You guys are like, upside down? I don't think so. Yeah, well, what is right has become wrong. And what is wrong, what is wrong, which should be down here, has become right. So turning the world upside down is the right thing to do. <laughs> Some of you got that. Some of you are like, right, wrong, I don't know. What are you talking about? Everybody has a part to pray. Everybody has a part to pray. Everybody has a part to pray. So we're gonna send out an email. It's coming in a little while, in less than a week, and I want you to see this. We're gonna occupy the gates of the walls of Nehemiah. And so by last name, you're gonna get an email and we're gonna have you, we're just gonna believe that you're gonna pray during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Matter of fact, you can start praying now and wherever your gate is by last name, we're going to send you scripture so that you can begin to pray with the recognition that everybody else is praying around the, wa- praying, a- not around wound the wall, because a wound the wall would be something different. Praying around the wall. I love being up here. I get to embarrass myself every week praying around the wall, you know that as you're praying right here, right here, me and my family are praying, and we're praying at the fish gate, we're praying for evangelism, that every other gate is being occupied and prayed for. And when God's family, when we all take our position on the wall, you'll start to see your house change and the rest of the houses change. Researchers at the University of Wisconsin are studying the neuroplasticity of the brain. You can sculpt your brain by practicing prayer. Here's what they're saying at the University of Wisconsin. You can shape your brain by neuroplasticity, the the neural pathways in your brain, just like you sculpt muscles when you go to the gym. And when you go to the gym, you work out and you're actually breaking down part of the muscle and then it rebuilds in hopefully a better form, right? And uh, how many of you know that's a hard process? Come on. You're like, oh yeah, it's hard. Okay, prayer and fasting are the same thing for the brain. And you can actually build portions of your brain and sculpt portions of your brain that don't even exist to exist in prayer and meditation and fasting. Our brains are continuously being sculpted, whether you like it or not, willingly or unwillingly, uh, wittingly. Unwittingly or, or wittingly. One study looked at changes in the brain over many years for those who regularly practice prayer and meditation. When it comes to things like attention and compassion, how do you need more attention? How do you need more compassion? If you're not raising your hand, ask your spouse. <laughs> For things like attention and compassion, those who continually practice prayer and meditation, watch this, develop brains that are f- as finely tuned as a late model Porsche. Come on, somebody, uh, that, that's, that's tuning it up. Just two months, listen to this study, this is, this is amazing. It's recent, too. Just two months of practicing prayer from stark amateurs, people who do not pray at all. Zero, pray for zero. Two months of practice brought systemic and systematic changes in the brain for the positions of prayer to bring positivity into a person's life. That means what you speak, your mouth is very powerful. And what you bless, God promotes. What you curse, dies. And so this activation happens in the brain, not only the activation in the brain for prayer and fasting and meditation, but it also says this, remarkably, some develop more antibodies that were tested, more antibodies to the flu virus than their colleagues that didn't pray or fast. So you can pray and help yourself not get sick. What in the world, what? So you can start out, some of you would say, I have never prayed before. You have a Pacer brain for prayer. You remember what a Pacer was? The AMC Pacer? Some of you say, I got a Pacer brain for prayer. I just have never prayed before. Two months, and you can have a Porsche brain for prayer. Come on, somebody. It doesn't take very long. I thought that was funny. We can affect three places in prayer, and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna move and close. Thinking is the biggest one. Everybody say thinking. thinking. It's the biggest one. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't wage war with money or with machines or politics. Come on, church. That's not how we wage war. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not being sneaky, crafty, smart, They're they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You say, Pastor, what is a stronghold? That means that something is attached to your grandfather, who's your great-grandfather, and it's come down your lineage, and they have the thing, and they have the thing, and they have the thing, and you have the thing, and you go into your prayer closet, and you pray and fast, and the thing, whatever's been the thing that's passed down to you, breaks off of you. That means the stronghold, the stronghold of thinking. Do you understand that there could be bigotry for four generations, and you break it? There could be unrighteousness, there could be alcoholism, there could be sexuality, uh, morbid sexuality that breaks off of you because you decide to go in and break the strong man's hold, that's what it's called. It doesn't belong in your family. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought for the imagination of Jesus Christ. That means to put your thoughts in prayer and fasting, this is the only way it happens really, it happens the best, because we get quiet enough. How many of you How many of you try to pray in the morning? I, I, you know, if I don't give myself enough time, I get up, I start to pray, and it's like this little, it's like, I got this, my list starts to come up. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's, you know, get milk. You know, what? And so I've got to take those items and move them to the side. I have to put them in order, and the Bible says that we can be so so directive with these prayers that we put them at the edge of a spear. And we say, you go over here, and now I'm gonna worship Jesus. That's right. And when the worship of Jesus happens in that way, in that fashion, we can change our thought patterns. Very important, and we can change the places that are around us. When Jesus said to Peter, that the gates of hell would not prevail over the gospel, Peter's uh, declaration. He said, who am I? I said, you are the Lord. And when he did, he was at a place called Caesarea Philippi and he was actually next to a portal. And here's the actual portal at Caesarea Philippi in this sheer rock face. And he was saying to the disciples, The gates of hell will not prevail over the gospel, the church going forward. And this is actually a portal where ritual satanic abuse or satanic sacrifices happen. There's supposedly seven of these around the world and people were supposedly dropped into an eternal existence in hell. Seven places like that around the world. But I want you to know this, there are all kinds of places where Satan is venerated that we just pass by. In every state in the union, there are things called hanging trees. If you go and Google these and, and where people, just a short time ago, were hung on trees in every state. Take that down, that's offensive. And I want you to know that in our city, it's time to take our intercessory prayer team and to go to the city and physically map the places where Satan has his way. And for the church then to engage in prayer, not physical, not fighting, not signs, but on our knees and to remove those places. And the last one is people. The last one is people. And when we think about Hillsborough County Schools, here's our school board. And, and the school board, this, this is made up of mostly great people, really good people. They're actually doing a very good job. Here's the school superintendent. And, uh, so, but I want you to see how big this is. These eight people affect 280,000 kids in Hillsborough County they are the last word for 280,000 kids. There are entities that are out here that have agendas that will push in for curriculum for third graders to affect the minds of our kids so that from third grade on by the time you get to be a senior you can't talk to them about what the gospel says because they've been indoctrinated by the school system. Okay, so let me say this again. These say it with me. These are good people. These are say it again with me. These are good people. I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about the principalities at work and the people who make the decisions. So it's not, remember, the warfare, what we fight isn't flesh and blood. These people need our help. They don't need our hate, they need our help. It's not that they're not doing their job, it's that we're not doing our job. And our job is to pray and to fast and support and to activate and say, how can we help? How can we tutor? How many of you, just, just here at the Tampa campus, uh, South Shore Plant City as well, you can, you can give me the hands there too. How many of you involved somehow in education? Somehow, raise your hand nice and tall, real big. Wow, I mean, come on, let's thank, let's thank God for everybody in education. Okay, so listen, when we get to January... When we get to January, I want to start activating in these mountains. I'm going to talk about it next week. And I want to start asking people in the business mountain, in the education mountain, in the, in the family mountain to, to come and have meetings so that we could uh, organize and get order and get some leadership. And actually, instead of just talking from the stage, we can say, how can we help? Hey, listen, how, what can we do? What can we, what can we actuate? What can we bring to the table? How can we, say it with me, serve? How can we Serve because the church isn't here to just sing hymns about baby Jesus, the church is to show the world the glory of God that came in baby Jesus. So would you join me in praying, all of our campuses, let's, let's bow our heads and pray, and, and uh, let's go to the Lord here today. First thing we do is to give our lives to Christ, is to give our lives to Jesus. So with every voice, heads bowed and eyes closed, Every voice, if you're at home on the internet, if you're somewhere around the world serving in our our awesome military, we say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, today is the day. I give you my life. I yield. I surrender. I know I have sin. And I turn it over to you. Come into me. Change me from the inside out. We're so glad you joined us today. Don't forget you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. We have special Christmas services coming up very soon and you can find more information at crossingchristmas.com.